You're listening to a sermon from Lakeview Baptist Church. We would love to have you worship God with us this Sunday at 1045 in the morning and at six o'clock in the evening as we make, nurture, and equip disciples of Jesus Christ in Auburn and throughout the world. Pastor Brian, thank you so much for the privilege of standing here this morning. I don't take it lightly at all knowing that this time is very precious for you with your congregation. So thank you so much. Um, it is not often I come, I just have to say, and I'm going to keep looking because I'm pretty convinced it's somewhere, is where on earth is the clock? <laughs> well, it's right there, right in front of me. Okay, thank you. I'm thinking, I have never been, two things, I've never been, and, and I don't know the last time I was ever at a church or speaking at an event where I didn't see an order of service that had times with each item. I'm thinking, so how long do I speak? And I'm thinking, this is really bad news for you that I wasn't given a time, and uh, really good news for me because I'm Irish after all. We, we like to talk. But... Um, but I do also want to say, you know, I don't often get to be in places where they, they sing hymns the way you sing hymns. And I, Adam, I don't know where you went, but well, really appreciate that this morning. I still have goosebumps from that choir piece. Um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. This is what I grew up as a, in the Baptist church. I was a pastor in a Baptist church. And so this feels familiar. And it's still when I am feeling a little stressed, tired, I go back and I listen to this type of music and it lifts my spirit. So, so good. So good to be with you in this way the, this morning. I just also want to say thank you to this church for the long history that you folks have in being engaged, not just locally, but globally around the world. And of course, we heard some stories from those that you've supported over the years. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for not only uh, sending money and prayers, but being deeply interested in what goes on in these parts of the world. I appreciate that. And Pastor Al, of course, over many years, strengthened that in the church. And Pastor Brian continues it on. We have a long history. Uh, actually, Pastor Al and our founder, George Verwer, were very dear friends. This church have uh, helped to send out the Hoffmans through Alice, who studied here in Auburn and was part of this church over the years as well. And more recently, I got to meet a wonderful young couple in my home, uh, Robert and Casey. They're serving in the Blue Box uh, and are very much connected to our, our organization. And I got to actually meet them where they are living and working uh, in, inside the Blue Box just past December. I was able to go out with a meal with them and enjoyed fellowship around the table. And uh, just even heard recently how they're uh, doing well in that space uh, they're working in uh, a hospital in that part of the world. So thank you uh, for what you do to send out those people. Well, I want to tell you about a, a bird that I had, a parrot. In fact, he was a yellow-naped Amazon parrot like this here. His name was Rudy. We inherited Rudy from a friend, a, a couple that were living near us, and they had to leave the country. Uh, and they said, would you take Rudy? Now, I've always loved animals. Uh, and so I said, uh, right away, I said yes to Rudy. And Rudy came to live with us in our home. Now, we found out that actually Rudy was hand-raised by a lady from North Carolina, which if you were to hear the longer story, that's a pretty key point for many reasons, because Rudy talked like a lady from North Carolina, <laughs> <laughs> which was absolutely hilarious in a home full of Irish people talking like this, right? 
And here is this bird in the corner. Uh, and he would often shout. This lady must have shouted a lot. She had some grandkids. And she, the, the, Rudy would, when the kids would run through the house, he would shout at the top of his voice, don't do it. <laughs> and he'd other things that I'll not go into uh, this morning. But anyway, the, the main point I want to share about Rudy was actually this was not Rudy. This was Rudy. You see, Rudy couldn't fly. Rudy was uh, raised by this lady, so he had what was called a human imprint in his life, right? So he had no example in his life to show him what flying looked like. So all of Rudy's life, I'm not entirely sure how old he was when he lived with us. He no longer lives with us. He went to another home for very good reasons, my wife would tell me. Um, one of them being furniture being eaten. Uh, but Rudy is in another home now. But anyway, when Rudy uh, lived in our home, he never lived in a cage. He just lived on a perch that had m- multiple branches. And he would move around this perch a lot. And then from time to time, he would decide to go walking across the floor by climbing down the perch and walking across the floor. That was the way Rudy lived his life. Why? Because he never learned to fly. Now, his wings were never clipped. They were never broken. They were absolutely in pristine condition. But Rudy was missing truths about his life that caused him to live his life out in a very diminished way, a life less than he was created to live out, simply because truths were missing in his life. And you know, that's so true of us as well as believers. When the picture we have of ourselves as the people of God is missing key truths or, or even contains lies. So the positive side is, well, we just don't know. The negative side is, well, we're believing something else. When, when they're missing these key truths, truths, then how we view ourselves and how we live out our lives is incomplete, it's diminished, it's distorted from what God intended for us. Paul mentions this in Romans 12, that very famous passage where he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what he's talking about. Be careful what you believe, and certainly don't be conformed to what the world would want you to believe about yourself and about how you should be living your life conforming our lives to the message about who we are and why we exist. And it becomes a distortion of how God wants us to live and what he sees our purpose and our identity is. For so many of us, and I know this has been true and for, for parts of my life, for, and I battle it even to this day, for so many of us, we've allowed the conforming message of, of the world to distort what God created as good and recreate it through the redeeming work of Christ in us so that we might reflect his glory. Here's the thing. When our view of ourselves is diminished, when our view of why we exist is diminished or distorted by the lies that we've believed or the truths that we have not taken in yet, not only do we personally experience a less than existence, a diminished existence, the world around us, the community we live and work in or study in, the people, the places, the spaces we were made to influence and impact, they miss out. They miss out on an expression of love, 
in an expression of joy, in an expression of peace and goodness and patience and long-suffering and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, the beauty and the order that God intends for his people to bring into that space and that place is diminished or distorted because the people who were to bring it have a diminished or distorted view of who they are. They miss out on the flavor of the salt that is your life as a Jesus follower and the light that you were intended to bring. And it goes even further than that. These missing truths or lies that we hope to speak to this morning, this incomplete picture has caused many Christians to feel that they are either excluded or excused from participating with God in his mission in the world. I want to say that one more time. These lies that so often we've believed, and we're going to talk about three this morning, have caused many followers of Jesus to feel that they are excluded or excused from participating with God in his mission in the world. Let me speak to first those who might feel excused from the mission of God. And maybe there's not too many in this church because this is a church that has preached a message like this for years. But some have excused themselves and said, yes, yes, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I, I, I like the heaven part. <laughs> and I like the when God shows up to help me when I need him part. But I'm absolved from all, the, all other responsibility, maybe apart from a volunteer hour on a Sunday in church. Or maybe from giving a little bit of my money and, and, and maybe saying a prayer from time to time. I'm excused from everything else but that. Why? Because... God has never called me into something else. I, I, I've never had that burning bush experience. I've never had that special call that I hear others have. And so therefore, I can excuse myself from that. And I can be over here writing my own story. I can be over here planning my life, planning my family, planning my retirement. And yes, I'll make a little space for God. I, I, I know there's a God part of my life. There's a God piece in my life. There's a missing piece until he's in there. So I'm going to make a part of my life available to God. I'm going to give him the God peace while I continue to write and live my own story and I excuse myself from being fully participant, a fully full participant with him in his mission. But I have news for you this morning of that you. Someone who may say, yeah, God can have a piece of my life. I have a God part of my life or God is part of my life. Here's the news. God does not want to be part of your life. God does not want to be part of your life. God wants to be your life. You see, the story is not ours that we write God into. The story is God's, and he has written us into it through Christ. And I don't know about you. I don't want to be part of my measly little story with my finite mind where I don't even know what today will hold. I want to be part of a story that was written by an eternal God, a sovereign God, an all-powerful God who knows the end from the beginning. And he wants to write me in. He is writing me in. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you are in. You're not just a recipient of God's grace and love and you sit here today with a bit part participation in the story of God and the mission of God. No, 
You are a full participant. At least that's how God is writing you into a story. He is writing you into a story so that you can fully participate with all of your life in his story in the world. There are no bit part participants in the story of God. If you're in, you're in, and you're fully in, and all of your life is in. But let me also speak to those that might feel excluded because I meet folks like this all the time. And this may be some of you this morning. Maybe you're going through your schooling right now and you're thinking, okay, I've got my major. I, I, I love what I'm studying. I think that's what I want to be in life. But I don't know how that fits into the will of God for my life. Maybe you heard the stories this morning from the stage and you, you listen to them and you think, that's great. I love that. But I don't know if I can see myself in that story. And somehow there's a feeling of, somewhat being excluded for these three reasons. And these are the three lies that I've heard over and over again that people often repeat to me when I chat with them. And even ones that I believe myself. The first question that they ask or the first statement that they make when it comes to this idea of being involved in God's mission in the world, the first question they'll ask is, but am I worthy? Or they make it a statement, I'm not worthy. Andrew, you have no idea of the things I've done in my life. I am excluded from the mission of God because I don't feel worthy to participate with God. I know those missionary types, those pastor types. That's not me. I could not live up to that standard. I'm not worthy. Or am I worthy being the question? The second one I hear is, but am I called? Or the statement is, I'm not called. <laughs> I've heard the story of people feeling called to these types of things, and I'm, I'm not that. You know what? I have a bush in my backyard and I've walked past it 500 times and never once did it burn. <laughs> or there's a donkey that lives in the field three fields over. I've heard it shout in the mornings. I've yet to hear it talk to me. I've never seen the blinding light. And it seems to me that that's the entry point into participation with God is this special calling. And God's never done that to me or for me. Therefore, I'm not called. And the third one is, am I able? Maybe you've gotten past those first two lies, but you've gotten to this one and you look at what's in your hands. And you look and read the stories of missionaries that I grew up reading and honor these people. But I ask the question, do I have in my hands anything that compares to what they had to offer? Am I able? Do I have anything to bring to God to offer him and say, can you use this for your glory? Am I worthy? Am I called? Am I able? So many people feel excused from participating with God because of one of these questions that has being birthed out of a lie that they're believing that's causing them, maybe causing you to live a little bit like Rudy, not stepping into full participation because you don't feel qualified in this way. Well, I want to take you back to Scripture, and we're going to go back to page one of Scripture because it's always a good place to start uh, it, it, the beginning of the story to see what was there in the beginning of the story. And we could spend, of course, a lot of time here, but let's turn to Genesis 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26. And of course, you have the creation story. Um, and I, I, just a brief comment here, because this could go off on a, on a rabbit trail that I don't want to go into. But so many times we think that the creation story is the main point of Genesis 1. I actually don't believe it is. It's important. 
But in those ancient days, everybody believed that a God created the world. The point the author is saying to these first readers is, no, your God created the world. Our God, Yahweh, created the world, right? I think these are the verses that we're going to read now that were the game-changing verses that they'd never heard before. They did not know that these verses uh, turned on its head the truth that they believed about themselves. These verses from verse 26 on, it says, Then God, this is the God, the Godhead who created the earth, said, Let us make human beings in our image. Uh, or let us make mankind, that word Adam means human, uh, to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground. We see this idea in Genesis 1 where God or the Godhead says, let's make mankind or let's make human beings in our image. It's repeated three times. Anytime you see something repeated three times in the scripture, they didn't have highlighters back then. They didn't have the bold type. This was the way they said, hey, this is important. Said one after the other, Humanity was made in the image of God. Well, what was that saying? We sang about it this morning, but what was that saying? Humanity was made in the image of God. Well, this idea of being an image bearer of God was an ancient idea that was reserved only for the pharaohs of the day, the kings and the queens and their families. So when the people would read this, the first readers would have read this, the people of God, the Israelites were reading this, were going, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. I thought that was only the pharaohs were made in the image of God. You're telling me that I am made in the image of God, that we, God's people, were made in the image of God. This was the mind-blowing moment of Genesis 1. Again, not the creation part, because they already believed that. They were just being affirmed that it was their God who did that. But their God did something more than any other God that they'd ever heard of. He made humanity in his image. This changed everything for them. Because no longer were they uh, subservient to some earthly master who was the intermediary between them and God, the one who was God's image in the world, and we're going to find out what that means in a minute. They were the image of God. But what did that mean to them? It meant two things, and it speaks to the first two lies. The first thing it meant, it spoke to their identity, who they were. Because being made in the image of God, this title that was reserved only for the pharaohs, actually also came with this meaning that they were sons and daughters of God. Titles only for the pharaohs. Now the early readers, the Israelites were hearing, you are the sons and daughters of God. You are the children of God. What an amazing truth to hold on to. An identity declared, determined, spoken over creation. Humanity made an image of God. Humanity would be the children of God. Now we know that Satan tried to distort and destroy the image of God so that that relationship would be broken. But in Christ, we are the new creation. In other words, we've been put back to that original intent of the creator to be his children. Paul says it in Ephesians 1 verse 4, that even before he laid the foundations of the earth, he loved us, he chose us, he adopted us into his family. John says in 1 John, how great the love the Father has lavished on us. Why? That we would be called the children of God. And that is who we really are. 
So this morning, as we think about participating with God in his mission and this week of Mission Festival, I want you to see this from the very first page of the scripture, that God created humanity. That would be you. (laughs) Christ redeemed humanity, and in Christ, which if you are a follower of Jesus, that would be you, this identity has been restored, that you are a child of God. Now, the world will try to tell you something different. The world will try to conform you into something else. The world will try to tell you to be something else or be someone else. But this is your true identity that no one can shake, that no one can change. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. Well, let's keep moving because it also speaks to this idea of purpose. So the first is identity. So it answers the first question. I better make sure that's clear. Am I worthy? Well, you've been made worthy. You've been made worthy through Christ. In, originally in the garden, we were made worthy because God made us to be his own, his own children. Through Christ, we have been restored and redeemed into that full relationship. We have not been made worthy through anything we've done. We've been made worthy through what Christ has done. That is our restored identity, children of God. But secondly, this idea of being made in the image of God or being an image bearer, again, reserved for the Pharaoh, meant, the second thing it meant was this, that you were God's representative on the earth. You were his child and you were his representative, only reserved for the Pharaohs. Up until this point, that was what they believed. This was the lie they believed. Now they were being told, no, it's not just a few people representing God on the planet. Every human being was created to be a representative of God on the planet. Again, mind-blowing. All of a sudden, down here, walking around like Rudy, poor little us, now all of a sudden, no. (laughs) You know that eternal God? He's made you to represent him here. So that when you walk around, you're showing all of creation who God is through your presence and being there. This spoke to their purpose, the why of their existence, not only their identity, but their purpose. Now, I don't know about you, but I meet a lot of people who tell me, (laughs) I'm still not really sure about my purpose, right? There's books written about it. How do you find your purpose? Well, my quick, short, maybe too quick, but I'm Irish, answer to that question when people, or statement when people say, I'm still working out my purpose, is this, stop. Not your job. Nothing that ever was created gets to determine its own purpose. Think about it. A watch. A car, a house, bicycle, right? None of these things get, of course, they're inanimate, but they don't get to determine their own purpose. The purpose of everything that was created, whether made by man or made by God, was determined before it was created by the one who created it. And I'm not talking about whether God wants me to be a dentist or a plumber. That's That comes next. We're going to talk about that now. What I'm talking about is the very reason for your existence. And the reason for your existence is this, plain and simple. Represent God wherever you are. Paul puts it this way. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So whether I'm in school, whether I'm at home, whether I'm in my neighborhood, whether I'm on the soccer field, wherever I am, I am representing God. I'm reflecting God's glory. I'm showing the glory of God to others so that God will get the glory from others in everything I do. 
So when I ask the question, or you ask the question, am I called, this idea of stepping into representing God on the planet, participating with God in his mission in the world, am I called to that? No, you're not called to the purpose of God. You were made for the purpose of God. There is no other reason for your existence than to represent God through everything you do. You mean like what I do when I come to church on a Sunday? Yeah, but that's one hour of... 100 plus hours in your week. I mean, every hour of your week is when you get to represent God. In every space you inhabit, in every place you go, you get to represent God. Who gets to represent God? Well, actually, it was the design for all humanity. But because of sin, they disqualified themselves. We disqualified ourselves. But now through Christ, we are back into play. The original intent of the creator is there. So am I worthy? Well, actually, you've been made worthy. Am I called? Well, you're not really called to the purpose of God. You were made for the purpose of God. So you don't need to wait around for another calling. You know, don't put the hose away. The bush, the bush is not going to burn. But if it does burn, whatever God tells you in that moment, do it immediately for sure. I'm not saying that God can't speak to people. But purpose is not something we find or we need to find. It's something we simply need to embrace, that we are God's image bearers in the world. I need to keep moving on here. So that's the who, children of God, speaks to our identity. That's the why, representatives of God, speaks to our purpose. But how does that work out? Andrew, that's a little bit, yeah, I get it, but like, I'm not really sure what that means tomorrow morning for me. Well, let me, how, how do I live this out? Well, glad you asked. Let me just share very, very briefly. And we're going to turn quickly to Ephesians 2, one of my very favorite verses in scripture that has really shaped uh, my life um, in in so many ways. Ephesians 2. uh, And in fact, maybe when you go home, read the whole uh, first couple of chapters of Ephesians, because you'll see Paul, everything I'm talking about this morning is dripping through the whole uh, epistle of Ephesians. In Ephesians 2.10, Often a verse we miss because we we read the verse 8, that by grace we've been saved through faith, not of works so that no one can boast. Uh, But Paul goes on to say this, for we are God's workmanship or we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. Why? To do good work, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. What's Paul saying here? Here's what I believe Paul's saying here. He's saying before God made you. In fact, if you read Ephesians 1, you'll find actually before he created the world, he thought of the good work he wanted his people to do. And then he made them in such a way that they could do that good work. Now, there are multiple ways I could go with this from other passages of scripture to 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 to. to Uh, uh, work this out for you this morning. But in the limited time I have, I want to apply it to you as an individual. I think there's other applications. But what I, I believe Paul's saying is that God made you uniquely. And he made you uniquely so that you could uniquely fill the space in the place where he would put you to reflect his glory, the purpose for which he put you on the earth as his child. He made you in a unique way so that you could take what he, the way he made you and live into it and live out of it so that the world in a very brilliant way would get to see the glory of God through your life. In other words, he gave us a purpose to represent him in the world, but he didn't leave us without any tools. He didn't leave us without a way to do that. In fact, he put in us everything we need to reflect him brilliantly, brightly in the world. There's 
an acronym. And by the way, I have my book is out there in the lobby somewhere. I'm a little turned around. There's a yellow book with red writing on it. You'll see it out there called Scatter. And in the, one of the chapters, I, I flesh this out, the acronym SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E. And with my accent, you, I hope you got that. SHAPE, right? In Ireland, we will say SHAPE. <laughs> SHAPE. S for spiritual gifts. He's given every one of us spiritual gifts. Paul says these are for the building up of the body, the encouraging of one another and the building of up. But also he's given us H, a heart or compassion. He's put in you passions, right? And we all have different passions. One of my passions is animals. All of my life, I've loved animals. I, I, yeah, I can't go into that sidetrack, but I've loved animals. I've, I've had pets. I've uh, taken birds out of nests. I've encourage dogs to come home and convince my mom that it followed me, that it was lost, it need fostering, but it was my neighbor's dog that she didn't know how to take it back. Uh, I've loved dogs all my life and I've always, and, 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 and that's a passion of mine. So how do I use that passion for the glory of God? Well, one of the ways I do it is I show dogs uh, with the AKC. So I'm one of those guys, the only time you'll ever see me with a tie is walking around one of those show rings with my dogs, but it's taken me into a world where there's so many unbelievers or struggling Christians. And even that just in the last couple of days, one of my dear friends who's not a follower of Jesus lost her husband. And I was able to come alongside her and pray with her. How do we use those passions? I believe they're God-given. Now, I can use them for my own glory or my own ends or simply for myself. But they were given to me for one reason and one reason alone. They were given to me for God's purpose for my life, to bring his goodness into that space to reflect his glory. But you have passions. Some of you are passionate about sport, about business, about healthcare, about numbers. You name it, there's a long, long list. And you've more than one passion, so it's not just one thing. But what are the passions God has put inside you that Satan wants to distort and destroy and to use for his extent? Let's claim those for God's glory. What are the uh, abilities, A, the abilities God has given you. God has given some of you real good ability with your hands, with your mind, to create things, to build things. What are those abilities God has given you to use for his glory? P, personality. We've all got different personalities, introverts, extroverts. I always tell people, be really careful. If you're an extrovert, never take the jo a job in a laboratory. You'll, you'll drive yourself crazy standing all day, you know, just with test tubes and whatever you call those things. Or if you're an introvert, don't take the job as a salesperson. You, you will die also. <laughs> God has given you a personality. Embrace it. And let it shape the way you can live your life for Jesus. And don't try to be someone you're not. An E for experience. Vocational, educational life experience. God has uniquely shaped you, folks. He's given you all of these tools inside of you. Why? So that you can embrace those and wrap them around the purpose, which is to represent him in the world. And Robert and Casey are a great example of that. He's taking his medical profession, his healthcare skills. He's gone to the blue box and he's living that out for the glory of God. I want to tell you just a quick story uh, about a lady I heard from that same part of the world. She went there for the same reason. She was living it out every day. She was a nurse, in fact, and she would show up in the ward every day and just be salt, be light. 
She was taking care of an elderly Muslim lady who wasn't doing well, but she just would love on her, take care of her, and her family, rec the family of this elderly lady recognized, we'll call her Mary, Mary's life. And, and the, uh, one day they said to Mary, Mary, we know you're not from around here, but are you a Muslim? And uh, Mary, Mary said, no, I'm not actually. Why do you ask? And they said, well, you're just such a good person. You really should be a Muslim. And uh, she said, well, can I tell you, I am a follower of Jesus, and this is why I follow Jesus. And it's actually Jesus who causes me or teaches me to live this way, to be a, a person who loves my neighbor like myself. Well, she walked away from, she was finished her task, and she was walking down the corridor, and she heard footsteps behind her, and the daughter of the lady came after her. We'll call her Fatima. And Fatima tapped Mary in the story and the shoulder and said, Mary, I've always heard about Jesus, but I was always told that you Christians lived a very corrupt, immoral life. So something's different. <laughs> Can you help me understand? And so Mary was able to meet with Fatima over many weeks, just sharing uh, the stories of Jesus in a very simple way, because she never went to seminary. She didn't have a lot of training, but she loved Jesus and she, she knew her Bible. And thus, after a period of time, Fatima came to follow Jesus herself. And she couldn't keep it to herself. And Fatima told her family members, you remember Mary? You remember the way she lived her life? Jesus taught her to do that. And now I'm following Jesus. You need to follow Jesus too. And Fatima started to reach out to her friends. And sooner or later, a bunch of her family came to know Jesus. So much so that her, um, the men in her family beat her up and told her to, to stop following Jesus. Well, Fatima couldn't stop. She was so in love with Jesus that uh, eventually she had to leave the country, but not before. We know this number, and I just heard it recently, uh, over 90 people have come to faith through her life. Over 90 people. I, I, so much so that we've lost count. Why? Because Mary showed up to her workplace. The space that God put her in understanding that she was a child of God. Her identity was secure. She didn't have to prove anything. That she was there to represent God so that others would see God in her life and through her life. And she was doing it through the tools God had put in her to be a healthcare professional. And she was ready to give a reason for the hope that lay within her. And she did it. And the ripple effects went on. And so when we ask the question, am I able... We look in scripture and we see God has given us everything we need. He has uniquely shaped you. Whether you're a dentist or a doctor, a plumber, an electrician, whatever you are, and you're more than that, a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, an athlete, an artist, God has given us all that we need. Live into that space, embrace who he's made us to be and do it for the glory of God in these ways. And here's the thing that happens when we do that. Not only do we personally experience the joy of a deeper relationship with the Father because we know who we are and we know who He is and we know that relationship. Also, it's the fulfillment of who we were created to be and the fulfillment that comes when we do that. But also this, the world around us, the community we live in and work in, the people, the places and spaces we were made to influence and impact get to see and taste the goodness of our Father through our life. They get to taste the God flavors in our life. Why? Because we were made to bring it into that space. We were made for this. I had another bird. 
His name was Peter. This is Peter. He wasn't a parrot. He was a parakeet, as you call him. We call him budgies. Peter was given to me because he had a bit of a pigeon chest, and I'm told budgies shouldn't have pigeon chests, so the, show, the person who was showing birds couldn't use them. So anyway, Peter, I was convinced Peter couldn't fly because every time I'd let him out of his cage, he would fly around the room uh, and collapse after one lap of the room on the floor, wings out, beak open, panting like crazy, and I'm thinking, Peter can't fly. Anyway, one day, I was 15 years old at the time, I took Peter out of the cage after school, took him upstairs, it was getting changed to go out to play soccer, and um, he was just sitting on my bed. Uh, we were talking. Oh, I was talking to him. He, Peter couldn't talk. Um, <laughs> he was not raised by a lady from North Carolina. Um, but anyway, he heard a noise downstairs, and off Peter went down our hallway, took the 180-degree turn to go down the stairway, and at the bottom of the stairs was... Straight ahead was the front door. The left turn was the living room. The living room door was closed. The front door was open. Peter went out through the front door. And my mom, I heard her scream, Peter's got out. Our worst nightmare. So I ran down the stairs as a 15-year-old in panic that Peter had gotten away. Halfway down the stairs, I realized Peter can't fly. And so I slowed down. I thought, okay, I'll go out and find him in the front yard, you know, beak open, wings flapping, exhausted. And I went and looked around the garden, no sign of Peter, went a bit further, no sign of Peter. And then I thought, well, I look up and I looked up and about what seemed like hundreds of feet in the air was this little yellow dot soaring around like an eagle. Now, my first thought was, you dirty rat, you can't fly. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the reality. Because Peter had been confined to a way of life that he was never designed for. He couldn't fly very well. But when he was free to go into the space and place that he was supposed to be, to do the thing he was created to be, oh boy, could he fly. And as I look around this room this morning, this afternoon now, I see people that have been made worthy through Christ, who have been made for something greater than the American dream, have been made for something greater than writing their own story. They've been made for the story of God. You have been made for the story of God, written in not simply as recipients of his love, but as full participants with him in his story. And he's uniquely shaped every one of you to live it out right here where you are so that this area, this region, gets to taste and see the goodness of God through your life and then gets to know about it through the explanation you give. But not only that, there's many countries in that blue box that have, no, have very few people like you that would be way open for you to go there and live. If you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, if you have a skill to bring in, They will invite you in, even as Jesus followers, so that you can go there and bring that good into that community. And then through your life there, get to show the goodness of God. So I want to challenge you this morning as I close that the question hanging over your life this morning, the question uh, that needs to be most dominant or prominent in your mind is not the question, am I worthy? Because you have been made worthy. It's not the question, am I called? 
because you've been made for this. It's not the question, am I able? Because God has uniquely shaped you to do it. The question is this, am I surrendered? Am I surrendered to the story of God? Am I ready to put my profession, my way of life, my little story into God's story so that this world gets to taste and see his goodness because that's what he made me for and to do. And my prayer for you over these next few days is that you will get to see more and more what that could look like as you live it out here locally in your marketplace, in the workplace, in your community, and even to consider, go do that in the blue box. Thanks for worshiping with us today. If you felt the Lord leading you to respond today, whether that was to receive Christ for the first time, or to take your next step in baptism, or if you have a prayer request, we want to start that conversation with you. Visit lakeviewbaptist.org contact to get in touch with one of our pastors. And as always, you can stay connected with us through our social media and website.